This episode of No Encore contains subject matter that some listeners may find upsetting. The Irish music star Sinead O'Connor has died at the age of 56. We have breaking news on this Wednesday morning. Sad news. Irish singer Sinead O'Connor has died at the age of 56. Singer Sinead O'Connor took the world by storm. Her voice is distinctive and unmistakable as her Sad look. news reaching us this evening. The death has been announced of singer Sinead O'Connor. She was 56. Totally devastating news that is breaking at the moment. I'm reading a statement. It is with great sadness that we announce the passing of our beloved Sinead. Her family and friends are devastated and have requested privacy at this very difficult time. The Sinead in question is Sinead O'Connor and that is incredibly sad news uh, that I bring to you. My own love said to me Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to the podcast for this week. Only one thing that we can discuss, I think, at length this week, and it is, of course, the sad passing of the great Sinead O'Connor. So I guess uh, initially I hadn't planned on doing an episode this week because I've been sick as a dog and that was the intention, but I was kind of talking to Adam, Sonic Architect Adam, who's here with me in the studio now, and is waving. Um, and I basically was like, I really think that we should do something. Um, because that the news that broke on Wednesday evening about Shades, Sinead's death, I think has rocked so many people, um, myself very much included. So, I mean, in terms of my initial reaction when, when it happened, someone sent me a text message and it just said, oh my God, and there was no follow-up. And I was kind of about to text them back and be like, come on, you know, what are you talking about? But I guess I just went to Twitter and I saw the news. It just broken at that moment and kind of sent a bit of a shockwave. I didn't fully process it at first, and I think we're all still processing it now. And truthfully, my instinctive reaction was actually to ring my mother. I, I called home and I asked her if she'd heard the news, and she hadn't, and I told her. And it was a weird thing because, like, I mean, I, Shane O'Connor, like, you know, I, we, we all love her, but it's not like my mother and I would have had in-depth conversations about her or anything, but it just felt like the right thing to do. Because it felt like a pivotal figure in the world and in Ireland, and of course, you know, beyond, had just gone. And you know, what do you do in those moments? You know, you kind of just see if your loved ones are okay, and that's kind of what it was. So it was a strange place to be in. And then, like you know, I didn't have much plans that evening because, like I say, I've been kind of confined to my to my to my room for the last week or so. I I just was glued to Twitter. I mean, Twitter is obviously a horrendous place. We know this, but like on that evening, it was nothing but an outpouring, a genuine deluge of imagery 
and anecdotes and performances and clips and sentiment and sorrow in the in the wake of Sinead O'Connor's passing. And you couldn't look away and even like, you know, it's it's a strange thing to kind of be sitting here and thinking about all the great work that has been done in the past couple of days by broadcasters and journalists because it feels trite to say that, but at the same time, I mean, if you heard, for example, John Creedon's show on RT Radio 1, which was essentially awake in real time, it was incredible. Of course, nobody wants to, to be saying these things. Nobody wants to be saying, hey, that was a really good job by that person over there on that piece that they wrote or that radio broadcast that they did just minutes after the news broke because nobody wants to be in this situation. Nobody wants to be sitting here saying out loud that Sinead O'Connor has left the world. That's not... It, it, so it's just a weird juxtaposition. And I guess from my own perspective, um, as, as as host of this show, uh, my reaction to Adam, I think, on the morning after was to text him and be like, I think we should do something. You know, I don't know what that is necessarily. And, you know, I'm at home, but we'll try and figure it out. And... You know, I, I think where, I, where I've arrived, I mean, it's probably imperfect because that's just the way these things are. And I do want to kind of, I don't know, I mean, I, like I, I, I couldn't let the week go by and not say something or more importantly, hear from other people and get their reactions. So, I mean, <clears throat> essentially what I want this episode to be about is is those raw reactions um, and the people I've spoken to on this episode, you know, that was kind of captured the following day. Uh, I was able to, I was lucky enough to be able to kind of call on people at short notice and jump on a Zoom call and talk to me. Um, so this episode is not going to be an encyclopedic career overview. Um, it's not going to be a tightly structured debate or anything. Uh, I just want to get a sense of what Shane O'Connor meant to people, means to people. It feels weird putting a past tense on it, even with the the formality of the announcement. Shane O'Connor feels like someone who will never die in, in, in one respect, you know? So I reached out to three different people, um, music journalist and musicologist Andrea Cleary, who you'll likely know as one half of the Nile Nine podcast. I felt it, it's like just anger bubbling up inside me. And I think the first coherent thought I had was there are so many people that still owe her apologies and now she will never get them. Virgin Media News correspondent Richard Chambers. A lot of the media praise for Sinead O'Connor today and a lot of the lavishing of praise on Sinead O'Connor is being done by a lot of people who would not have said this while she was alive, uh, because now, because she's dead, she's less dangerous to them. And musician and industry figure Julie Hawk of Hawk, the Pixie Cut Rhythm Orchestra, Self Made and Vita Music. The, the kind of magnitude of what she meant to, you know, Irish musicians, Irish women in music in particular, and just kind of, you know, Ireland as a nation as well. It's, I think we're going to be unpacking and learning from her life from, for a really long time. All of whom have appeared on the podcast before, and like I say, I'm, I'm I'm lucky and grateful to be able to just kind of grab them in the moment, as we're all still processing this. Um, I wanted to try and gain some different perspectives, be it Andrea's academic point of view, Richard's insight as a news journalist who was covering an element of Ireland's approach to mental health that is in desperate need of reform just this week, and Julie's place as a musician and how Sinead O'Connor impacts her and many other artists in Ireland and beyond. And also for all three, their personal feelings on Sinead, a human being who provokes so many reactions from us, regardless of your relationship with her music. Hers was a dominating presence in pop culture, in art, in activism, in humour, in turmoil, in unflinching honesty, in fearless bravery, and now in gut-wrenching grief. 
my own feelings are um, that I love Sinead O'Connor. Um, I hold great respect for her. She's a direct portal to the 1990s for me, a time I now look back on with weird, hazy, rose-tinted, innocent of a sort nostalgia. Uh, in a time without social media and YouTube, the image of beautiful Sinead, shaven-headed and giant-eyed, pushed all the way as far as possible on your television screen, was one that you simply could not avoid. Uh, given that it took me a long time to properly care about music, I'm certain that the very young Dave did not get any of the magnitude and brilliance of Nothing Compares to You, but it's a song I've held dear for many years now, and I'm just one of millions who feel that way. She wasn't a one-hit wonder, as some confused and clumsy obituaries have claimed this week, but we shouldn't skip past Nothing Compares as some kind of a given. It remains an astonishing work of magic, and Sinead is the supernatural herald at its heart. Yes, it was written by another singular force of genius in the form of Prince, but much like Trent Reznor acquiescing that Hurt now belongs more to Johnny Cash than it does to him, there should be little argument that Nothing Compares to You is not, isn't a Sinead O'Connor masterpiece. You can, of course, engage in those debates. That's part of the fun of music sometimes. can also be quite irritating. Um, but you could also simply appreciate that we have these songs in the world and we can listen to them anytime we wish to and get lost in them. There was, of course, so much more to Sinead's career. The Lion and the Cobra is one of the most incredible debut albums anyone ever produced, and she did so much work on that beyond just the microphone. I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got should be available in public libraries across Ireland if it already isn't. Uh, she, defined, she defied conventions, she played with form, she dove into genres and styles seemingly on a whim, but always with genuine spirit, adventure and affection for them. If something didn't work, that was fair enough, you knew that she gave it a hell of a shot though. And she even had the balls to come out with a song called Take Me to Church a year after Hozier dropped his own calling card. It's a pretty good song too. She was righteous, she was furious, she was unwilling to compromise even if it cost her, and it really did. She looked out for the vulnerable, be it fellow artists or ordinary people, and she helped them if she could, sometimes publicly, often privately. She didn't suffer fools, and she didn't always get it right, but what amazing but flawed human being could. She ought to be remembered as many things. Her passing brings both celebration and despair. People are sad, and they're angry as well, and... You know, I'm thinking of, like, Morrissey put out this big kind of statement on his website about how the music industry completely fucked her over and the people who are now chiming in with love and respect didn't show her the love and respect that she needed. Um, and he's right, you know. I, I know it's Morrissey, but much like his eulogy for Andy Rourke recently, when he gets it right in that regard, he does. Not everything he says in that statement is perfect or anything, but the sentiment is is true. Um, Shane O'Connor, in many respects, was completely let down by many facets of the world, and the music industry was definitely one of them. There's so many layers to her life, and there are elements to it that are very difficult to reckon with, but we have to reckon with them, and we shouldn't just gloss over any of this, I think. The reality is that at 56 years of age, it's not right that Shane O'Connor is gone. It just isn't. She should still be here. She was ultimately let down by a world that arguably didn't support or appreciate her enough, and it is a sour taste to be left with. She was a complex character, and she left it all on the world stage for everybody to deal with. And I hope that with this episode, just getting those kind of perspectives from different people, we're not going to solve anything. I just think that it's time to kind of talk about her and listen to her music, celebrate the art that she put out into the world, the icon that she was. And like that word, I know, I know. And that's something that, you know, people have said, they're like, stop using words like legend and icon. And I get it. I really, really do. But how else do you describe someone like Sinead O'Connor? You know, so singular, so tied to a time, so important for everything that she did. And it is heartbreaking that she didn't have the life that she deserved. So on this episode, 
Um, it's going to be like this, you know, there's going to be some raw reaction. Like I say, we're all still processing it. So I'm thankful to Andrea, Richard and Julie for talking to me on this episode. And um, I hope that we come even, I don't know, like a, a fraction of a millimeter close to capturing the spirit of this incredible person. But truly, I don't know if words can do her justice. And I know that I'm falling back on superlatives, but I do mean them. So like I said earlier on, I have great love for Sinead O'Connor. And we talk about it at some point, I think myself and Richard, but like, if you haven't seen the performance that she gave on The Late Late Show in 2019 of Nothing Compares to You, um, I encourage you to seek it out. I feel like I feel like a lot of people have seen it. There's a moment in it at the end where the camera comes towards her and she catches it as it zooms in and amidst the solemnity and grace of the music and her own performance, which is incredible, by the way, uh, she smiles and waves at the camera and it's such a beautiful thing. And I remember at the time when I saw it, I was really moved by it. And now if I even think about it, it makes me want to fucking burst out crying. So yeah, a heavy one, unavoidably this week, but we should we should never forget this woman and we should never ever stop honouring her. So without further ado, we'll move into the episode now. It's been seven hours and fifteen days Since you took your love away Delighted, despite the circumstances, to welcome back after quite some time to No Encore, the wonderful, the amazing Andrea Cleary. Hello, how are you? Hi, Dave. I'm, you know, good, good otherwise. How are you? Yeah, I think the same. Um, that's kind of like with this episode, uh, what I want to do with it is just kind of get reaction, really, and just kind of, you know, take the temperature of people. And obviously, you know, um, where do you begin? I mean, I, I find with, with even all the content I have consumed in the last 24 hours or so, while there has been some incredible reactions and, you know, real-time radio, like RT Radio 1 did an amazing job and mm. various other people have too. I still don't think we can scratch the surface of Sinead because that's the kind of person she was. But I guess, could I just, uh, like, when you found out the news, I mean, I guess take me through it and, and how you've been feeling since. Yeah, I found out the news because my brother sent it into the family WhatsApp um, with just, Jesus Christ, Sinead O'Connor is dead. Um I would have liked a, a softer way of finding it out, but it did, um, it, it got the message across and, you know, that's that's what my, my reaction was. It's weird when I, I obviously, I double-checked, I am a journalist, uh, <laughs> I, I double-checked my source, um, but yeah, when, when I, you know, realised it was real and true, it's weird, my first emotion wasn't sadness, it was anger, like I got, I got really like, I felt it in like just anger bubbling up inside me. And I think the first coherent thought I had was there are so many people that still owe her apologies and now she will never get them. Um, 
And I think that's a bit of a hangover thought from having watched the documentary that came out last year, the year before. I, I haven't checked. Um, having seen that documentary, that was my feeling coming out of it was, was anger and feeling emboldened to kind of do something and to ensure that her legacy is, you know, appropriately uh, considered within like Irish culture. But the thing about Sinead O'Connor passing is that like there's, there's particular emotions that you go through when a musician you love dies. And I think we've all like with one musician or another over the past decade experienced like very, um, very real grief with musicians. But the thing about Sinead was that she was also an activist. Um, so you also have the feeling of somebody who has changed your life and your world and the culture in your country um, for the better for you having passed. So it, it's like a real, it's a real mix of feelings. It's, it's sorrow and it's grief, but it's also just just anger that she never, she just like, I, 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 I was saying to uh, Harry last night, my partner, Harry, I was just like, she never got her dues. And I like, I, and I don't know if that's true or not, you know, like she, she was, she, she had an award at the choice last year. And there was a lot of new conversations that came out after that documentary, but none of it felt like enough. None of it felt like, uh, like apology enough. So yeah, it's a mixture of emotions. <laughs> That level of anger that you're talking about, I mean, what, this might be a very unanswerable question, but I mean, what do you want to do with it? What should people do with their anger over this? Because I think that a lot of people are feeling that way, for sure. Yeah, I think that there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot written in the past, you know, it's not even 24 hours since it came out, about Sinead. Um, and a lot of it focuses on her criticism of the church and of the state. We have confidence in the victory of good over evil. Fight the real enemy. Not only sh how she was treated, but how women are treated, how refugees in particular, um, kind of later in life, um, she spoke a lot about the treatment of refugees in Ireland. And I think that we should all feel emboldened to kind of carry on that legacy of making sure that people whose voices can't be heard are heard. We shouldn't feel like because we're not part of a community that we can't speak up for a community. I think that's something that's so amazing about Sinead is that like, you know, like I was I was listening to um, Black Boys on Mopeds today and just feeling like, you know, there is, there's a world in which somebody would feel like that's not their place to, to write a song like that because she's not part of that community. You know, she's, she's a white woman writing, writing a song about um, a, a black boy that died at the hands of the police in the UK. There's a world in which musicians feel like they, they can't wade into these topics. And I think something so important that we learned from Sinead is that, that injustice is injustice and you have to call it out, even if it's not against your community, even if you don't, even if people will accuse you of, you know, stepping in and speaking for other communities that you're not part of. Sang Mandinka with Jake's baby girl in the back of my pants and I had Public Enemy's logo painted into the side of my head. They decided they wouldn't um, go to the Grammys, quite rightly, because they were protesting. 
I protested the Grammys in 1989 because they refused to recognize rap music and hip hop as a legitimate musical category. I thought it was like admirable when she put the Public Enemy logo in her head. With Sinead O'Connor, you didn't get the sense that she was just being pretentious or she was fake. It was like, yeah, she seriously has issues with this. This is what's going to drive her artistry. She's committed to that. That's not the case. And she always dealt with that with such grace. So I hope that people who are grieving and are sad just take the time to do that. You know, we don't all have to go out and, you know, join a protest movement uh, in, in her honor. That's not everybody in society's role to do that. But for the people who do feel angry and who feel like there's still a lot of work to be done that she started, um, I hope that it emboldens them slash us to spend a bit more of our time working towards it. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like a robbery in, in many respects, especially her age. 56 is just, it's way too young. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, uh, your own relationship with her though, whether it's as a, a musicologist and music journalist or just a human being, like, I mean, what, what does Shane O'Connor mean to you? Yeah, I think when I was young, um, like Sinead has always existed. I was born in 1990. Sinead was already a kind of a, an artist. Um, she was around and the two things I knew about her was that she was bald and she was a bit mad. And that's kind of the, how Ireland sort of felt about her at the time. But there was also a kind of a fair play to her-ness about Sinead. Um, in, in my house growing up, we liked her. My mom and dad liked her. Um, but there was always a sense that we didn't quite understand her. And as I got older and I became more assured in my own politics and my own feminism and I, you know, witnessed a lot of um, social movements like the, the Eighth Amendment and in particular, like anywhere you look in Ireland's recent history, Sinead is there, like whether it's, um, you know, reports coming out about Magdalene Laundries or the like disgraceful quote unquote reparations that the government tried to give to people who were victims of those laundries or whether it's the eighth amendment or whether it's the national maternity hospital like every scandal you can think of Sinead has been there the whole time so I think with me I I love her music and I've always loved her music but Sinead is much more of a political figure to me or much more of a much more of a role model in how she used her platform for good, um, whether it's better representation for women in the music industry or, you know, fair pay or better treatment of refugees or, you know, like she's, she's been, she's been all over the kind of the, the political spectrum of progress um, for an incredibly long time. And it's taken us a really long time to catch up with her. So I feel like I'll be trying to catch up with Sinead O'Connor for the rest of my life. You know, that's just, that's the feeling that I have. I'll never, I'll, I'll, I'll never be as assured a, a speaker or a thinker as she is, but we can just try to kind of reach that level, you know? Yeah. I mean, not to try and cast a negative light here or invite anything, you know, doom and gloomy, but like with her passing, 
Is it possible to kind of put a sense of scale here on just what we've lost, especially as you say, what she represented and how much inspiration she she put forward and commanded? Without Shane O'Connor in the world, it it does feel it does feel different, doesn't it? Like I know that sounds ridiculous, but it does. I I don't think it's hit me yet, so I don't I don't have the feeling of like the world is different because I think I'm still expecting her to release some kind of statement on Twitter or, you know, she'll, she'll pop up now and then like we've been used to her not being in the public eye for a long time, but she's always kind of there. She's always there ready to kind of give out a little statement or appear on the Late Late Show for the first time in years. And then everyone's so happy to see her. But I think the world, I think when it does hit me, I will have that feeling of the world being different because it's like, where do you look to? Like, so you know, like all, all those instances I, I, I mentioned there, but like any, any kind of political church scandal you can think of that's happened in the past like decade while we've been on Twitter, for example, like anything that happens, Sinead O'Connor is mentioned in it. And like that, that photograph of her or the still image of her ripping up the picture of the Pope, like I, I don't even know if we'll ever understand the the impact that even that one act had on us as a country, let alone her music and the rest of her activism and how she was treated and the the absolute grace with which she met that treatment. Um, I don't know if we'll ever understand it. I don't know if we'll ever have anybody like her again. I hope we do. It's probably it's it's likely that we will have have people who follow in her footsteps. But like, I think the thing that is hard for people to understand, um, say people our age, is the scale of hatred and abuse that she was given by the media, by by just ev- every corner of society was just so against her. And she never faltered. She never swayed in her beliefs. And that's an incredibly rare thing. And it's a rare thing for someone to, you know, be in the public eye in that way and just and just be so strong with it. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't know if we'll ever understand the impact that she's had on so many different communities and so many different individuals, you know. It's such a strange kind of place to to feel where you look at everything that she gave the world and just how, you know, at a very young age, I mean, mm. you know, 2021, 20, she's out there on the, like, like on the stage in America and becoming an international star. And you mentioned at the top of this, you know, you mentioned like her, her image her her physical appearance mm. and like the style element shouldn't be overlooked as well. And that's not being yeah. superficial. No, she not at all. She was fucking cool. She looked amazing and had so many different of personas if you want to say that or even just like kind of eras of, mm. like, like of her you know like it's 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 incredible and just an amazingly striking human being and would would walk into a room and I, I'd, I'd imagine that the room would just change in terms of its atmosphere and i wonder if she gets enough credit for that kind of thing i wonder if she gets enough credit for her activism i wonder if she gets enough credit even for her music i do want to, I, I i would like to go into her music in a moment but like in terms of her kind of you know it's the most overused word in the world icon iconic but I mean, I, I, I don't see how it doesn't fit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think her her image is a really important part of the Sinead O'Connor story because, you know, when Ireland first met her, she appeared on The Late Late Show. 
this tiny bald girl with these like absolutely massive eyes and you know outrageously long eyelashes and she was so beautiful but so alien she was just so different and I think we have language now around gender and gender expression and how people utilize clothes and hair and makeup to either oppose or play with gender and I think that she has done both over the years um, and I don't know if we had in the public discourse anyway at the time the kind of language to say like Sinead, what, what Sinead O'Connor is doing with her image is revolutionary you know she is some sometimes she's like quite masculine and she's punk and she's wearing you know the big heavy Doc Martens and she's dressed in men's suits and other times she's decided to grow her hair out and wear a pretty dress and but it's all her and I think we now have that language of like gender fluidity um, and we have pop stars that kind of play around with that now but we didn't then we were so far off being able to understand that in 1990s Ireland you know um, and so I think how she looks is is a really important part of her story, you know, and there was always um, I remember talking about this to somebody before there's potential that I've said this on our podcast before, but um, if you'll forgive me, but with Sinead, like there was always in my household and I'm sure in households all over the country when I was growing up, you know, Sinead O'Connor being bald was a big part of what you understood about her when you're a child. Um, but the other thing is that she could carry it off because she was beautiful. And I think that that's, that's a really important part of, of what, of, you know, illustrating who is allowed to dress in certain ways and behave in certain ways and play with their femininity in certain ways. And I think that's something that Sinead always rejected. She never really liked being called beautiful because she didn't believe herself to be beautiful, um, which is obviously outrageous, but that's that's the case. Um, but, you know, like, like I was saying, and, uh, anything about social progress in Ireland in the past, like since the 1990s, you can, you can look at through the lens of Sinead. And I think how we treat feminine beauty and women who don't conform to, you know, feminine beauty standards, that's all, that, there's a whole complicated conversation to be had around, like, the media, Gay Byrne, The Late Late Show. Like the first, the first, I don't know if it was the, I think it was the first time she was on The Late Late Show. Gay Byrne said to her something like, um, there'll be a lot of mammies and daddies at home worried that their lovely young girls are going to shave their heads and become like you. And, you know, what an outrageous thing to say to a young woman that you've invited on as a guest um, in order to showcase her musicianship. But it was these kinds of, uh, worries and concerns that people had, that parents had at the time, that is just so um, starkly seen in, in that clip. So her image is very, very important. Yeah. Um, just on the music point, because again, I, I fully agree with you with the idea that, like, you know, she stood for so much that you could you could have a conversation with her. We could have this whole podcast about her and not mention the music, but mm. of course, this is a music podcast, so we should. Um, and I'm aware that I'm speaking right now, you know, in the eras that have followed, and there is a temptation and a natural instinct to kind of elevate to maybe an extreme level. But mm. what I what I want to know here is, is there an argument made that she was underrated musically? Absolutely, every. Uh 
every time one of those lists com- comes out about the greatest albums, about the greatest Irish albums of all time, and I see her hanging around maybe like the 15 spot or like, you know, not in the top 10, I think that's a mistake. Um, I think as an artist, like she's, even as an artist, she's more of a mus- more than a musician. She is an artist. She's a poet. You know, she's a punk. She's all of these things. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I, I think underrated, but like maybe in the same way that like Enya's underrated, you know, like we all know her. She's part of our lexicon. She's part of like the day-to-day fabric of what it is to, you know, talk about Irish music. But I think actually just taking on face value Sinead O'Connor's music is something that has been hard for the music press in Ireland to do, um, for a certain generation of the music press in Ireland to do, because there's a there's a kind of an unwillingness to separate it or maybe it's an impossibility to separate it from her political activism and her political life. Um, so I think it's rendered complicated to try to look at Sinead's music um, for music's sake, um, in quotes, which you know I hate doing uh, with any music. <laughs> but I think particularly in Sinead's case, you, you can't separate the two. So maybe it's just become muddied. Maybe putting a Sinead yeah. O'Connor in the top five Irish albums of all time will look like much more of a political statement than it would if it was Van Morrison or if it was Loveless again, or if it was somebody or if it was Doggerel or, so, you know, it's, it seems like more of a statement to do it. Um, and I, 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 I think that's quite cool. I think that that's quite a cool legacy on her part. She was also never just one thing. Musically, she played with so many different styles and genres and did mm. it impeccably. I guess lastly, if I could ask you, I know you were saying earlier on that you're still processing, as so many people still are, and I do appreciate you even kind of giving me this for the podcast. Oh, I'm, of course. I'm, great, I'm grateful to get your perspective, but I'm, I'm just wondering, um, how will you remember her? How should she be remembered? Oh, I think, how will I remember her? It just in so many different ways I'll remember her music I'll remember her just you know relentless campaigning for people who needed her voice even though I've never met her I will remember her kindness all these stories that are coming out now people are sharing stories about how when they were working for queer charities a couple of years ago she got in touch on under a pseudonym with them so that she could donate some clothes that she was getting rid of to like Irish trans women um, and like makeup and cosmetics that she wanted to like give away to people who need it or want it or deserve it. And it's just like those small little stories like that. Like I, I'll, I think I'll remember her with just like a kind of a sense of divilment in her eyes because I think, yeah, this, this is it, right? I think it's very easy to remember Sinead O'Connor as a very serious person. And while she did a lot of serious work, she was also someone that had just such a human sense of humor and was very playful, often very flirtatious as well in interviews, was just so warm and captivating and beautiful, like not, not just in a physical sense, but just a beautiful person, you know, like I think... 
I think the image I'll remember of her is is at the end of the late late performance, her last late late performance, when she just gives that little smile and the wave to the camera, and she just looks so happy and she looks so at peace and you know happy to be there, and like she's been through the wars, but. There she was, you know, standing Sinead, just a powerhouse, like, and I think I'll remember her like that um, because she seemed peaceful and that seems like a nice way to remember her. Or perhaps he is gone with some other moon. You may never see him again Well, if So I'm joined now on the show by Richard Chambers, former guest, of course, and dear friend. And uh, Richard, I'm very thankful for you for coming on at short notice to discuss this. Uh, the, uh, tragic, tragic news. There's no other way of putting it. I guess uh, I'd start off by asking you, what does Sinead O'Connor mean to you? Um, she means a huge amount to me. I think um, anyone who has lived in Ireland through the decades, and I know, you know, being slightly younger than people who will have most, you know, witnessed the the meteoric rise of Sinead O'Connor in the early, you know, the late 80s and early 90s. I was too young for that. But sort of piecing back through her career and being exposed to her music, like, you can't, you can't do her justice in any sort of interview or sort of summing up. You can try your best, but she was just this, um, just a huge figure and probably the, like, as in terms of talent, one of the best songwriters and singers we've ever had. Uh, I think that goes without saying. I, I would. I, I think I've previously said back when we were living in Castlenock. Actually, I think I remember um, I described her as something like probably the best vocalist we've ever had in this country. And I think that's that easily stands. But she was just so much more than all that as well. Like you can go through any number of issues, whether it's abortion rights or it's AIDS and HIV or it's trans rights and racism, anything. She always took a stand and always put, you know, she always put the issues first. And it was just something that's, I think it's just an incredibly brave thing to do because everything always comes with a cost. And she shone a light and she led the way in a way that very, very few people ever will. Um, you know, you don't normally get people who back the intentions and their words up with the actions as much as Sinead O'Connor ever did. You very rarely get that. You very seldom will see, come across that. And, I mean, she was a rebel. She was a rebel. Uh, she was a standard bearer. And um, no matter what the cost, she always, you know, doing the right thing mattered to Sinead O'Connor more than anything else. And I think that there's something actually, do you know what? There's something a bit, in all of the, the platitudes and tributes that have come out over the last, um, like, whatever, it's probably like 18, 20 hours now since since the news broke at this point. There's a lot of like official Ireland sort of stuff coming out and all these, you know, politicians from Finnegan and Fianna Fáil and, you know, from across the board and rightly so paying tribute to the artist. But like a lot of these same people will have 
you know, denounced Sinead O'Connor and tore into her and mocked her and did mock her uh, at length throughout all of the decades of her career. So that element, though, is something I kind of want to get onto at some point, because, I mean, I'm talking to you now, like, this episode won't come in immediately, but, like, I'm talking to you now, like, the the day after, the night before, essentially, and, you know, the news has sank in, and I think last night, I don't know about you, but I was just glued, like, any plans I had, not that I had many, because I'm just, I'm lounging in my sickbed this week, but, like, I was just glued to Twitter, and I think, you know, we were chatting as well, and, you know, it, it that last night was just dominated entirely, as it should have been, of course, by reaction to this. I wonder, though, in line with what you were saying, has the, has the conversation shifted a little bit today in the kind of sobering light of day? I've seen sentiment from people saying that, you know, the mental health services in this country are an absolute mess and that, you know, Shane O'Connor just was failed completely by this country. I mean, like, do you think that that's a fair argument to put forward? And like, how should we be responding? Like, where should the conversation go now? Not, not to immediately speed past mm. all of her legacy, but that element of things. I mean, what, what can we do in, in reaction and where do you stand on that? I think you have to be, um, you have to demand better from the people who are in charge of the country. And that goes, that's not just the current government, that goes back through decades and how we judge what happened in this country for decades and decades and decades. Like with Sinead O'Connor, you know, when the SNL thing happened and it, 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 it kind of does grind on me a little bit, um, the fact that it's the SNL bit, which seems to be like, you know, for a lot of the sort of the foreign coverage, like I was listening to the BBC Today programme this morning on radio and it was all about, oh, she, 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 she wasted her career and she was like, you know, she tore up the picture of the Pope and that was the big controversy and it was nothing compares to you and that's it. And that's it. That loses all the nuance and all of the flavour and all the colour that was Sinead O'Connor. But like, even in making those stands, and the outpouring of backlash across the world, because it wasn't just an Irish backlash as well. Like, we can look at this thing and say that, you know, Sinead O'Connor was derided as this hysterical madwoman at so many times in Ireland, but it happened internationally as well. Like, I mean, you sent on the clip of Joe Pesci um, on SNL the week after uh, she ripped up the picture of the Pope, and, like, the way she was talked about there. But uh, before we start the show, there's a little matter I want to clear up. There was an incident on the show last week. Sinead O'Connor tore up a picture of the Pope, and I thought that was wrong. So I asked somebody to paste it back together. So we have that picture? There. I think that's a lot better, thank you. Okay, case closed. I mean, why should I let it bother me, right? It wasn't my show, it was Tim Robbins' show. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing, she was very lucky it wasn't my show. Because if it was my show, I would have gave her such a smack. <laughs> and then, actually, I think it was a couple of weeks later, she did that Bob Dylan tribute at Madison Square Garden, and she was booed incessantly for minutes and minutes and minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, Sinead O'Connor. just wild to witness now however many years on you know 33 years on from that um but in this country i mean you mentioned mentioned mental health services there is a big contrast actually in that because yesterday i was working on there was that report into child and adolescent men, mental health services and this was one of Sinead's big issues that she took up in her later years was particularly around how cams worked um around her son um and she was very very vocal in that and it was just another 
example of her just having to, to fight and to put herself out there uh, to be derided and attacked uh, by people in power for being on the right side of history, repeatedly being on the right side of history and absolutely everything. But like there's, there's, there's fun sides to that as well, Dave. Like, I mean, she had a stand against the US government and so like she was refused. She had a sort of a, a, a ban of like performing if there had anything where the US national anthem would be played. And then there was a protest against her and I, there was some great photographs during the rounds last night of Sinead O'Connor dressed up in costume to attend a protest against herself. Yeah, um, undercover. What, what, a, what, just what, what an absolute legend. Nobody else had the balls that Sinead O'Connor had. Let, let, let's be honest, like there was no artist that we have had in this country. Like we're, we're a country that prides itself on its rebel sort of spirit and, you know, free spirits and, you know, multi-dimensional characters who like, you know, fight for what's right and what they believe in. Uh, but very few of them were ever, could ever, you know, touch anything, you know, like what Sinead O'Connor did. Well, let me ask you this, though. I mean, if that's what we pride ourselves on, why, when someone like Sinead O'Connor stands up, speaks truth to power, constantly throughout her career in every different form? I mean, she was an exceptional musical artist, but she was so much more than that. Why do we then kind of go, oh, no, 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 that's too much. Back in your box. I don't know. But that's, that's the way it was for a lot of women like Sinead. Um, like, and it's been, it's been actually one of the most interesting and one of the, probably the most um, nourishing things out of the, the last number of hours is to see other people, fellow travellers on that path, whether it be for abortion rights, women's rights, um, pushing back against, you know, for, pushing for a, the survivors of sexual and domestic violence. Sinead did incredible work on that. Um, it's been very encouraging to see those people, you know, take take the opportunity to remind the world how lonely a path it was when they all did that together. Um, that so many of these women, in particular, and it was women for for most of these issues. These are a lot of these are women's issues. Um, like they were just mocked and derided, and it was just a horrendous thing. And it is something we do see a lot in Ireland that official Ireland and you know corporate Ireland, political Ireland in the mainstream sense, is just not good at handling the issues. And it's so far behind the issues. It's so far behind the public on a load of these issues. And like, at the time in 1990, when Sinead did this on SNL uh, and spoke out against the Pope and the Catholic Church, like, it was only years later that people started to sort of pin it together as like, this was, she was right all along. Um, and I think it is a very powerful message for Sinead to have had, you know, fight the real enemy. Um, there's a lot of, you know, a lot, lot of things which politicians and people will point to as being, you know, the cause of all our ails and, and problems in, in this country and in other countries. Sinead O'Connor was very good at cutting through the bullshit on that. Incredibly good at doing that. And it is interesting. I do feel almost in some way like a lot of the media praise for Sinead O'Connor today and a lot of the lavishing of praise on Sinead O'Connor is being done by a lot of people who would not have said this while she was alive. Uh, because now, because she's dead, she's less dangerous to them. Um, that's almost how I feel. I know some other people like uh, Mike Wright who said that. Uh, Una Mullally as well wrote an incredible piece in today's Irish Times. I'd encourage anybody to read that as well. But like, she was a danger to the to the to the you know to the status quo, and that's how she lived her life. 
Yeah, I remember writing a piece for Joe a few years ago because there was an incredible performance which I came back to there, like in the wake of her passing on the Late Late Show in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Nothing compares to you. And I remember, I, I can't remember if we were on the couch together at that time. I think like, we were. I was trying there. to, yeah. I was trying to think back now when, when, when you mentioned it yesterday. I think we were there at, at the same time. Possibly were. So. But it was, a, it was a hell of a moment and it's just such a beautiful thing and there is that moment where, you know, the camera zooms in on her at the end and she smiles and she waves and it's the smile and the wave of like, at once this incredibly vulnerable shy person but also this person who gave all of herself to the world and yet you would still have people not everyone of course but you're always going to have people who are mocking her for all you know what she was wearing and the religion and she's nuts and crazy she talked about that herself numerous times about how she was on graham norton and she was talking about the the crazy tag because he starts off by being like you know he's like are you all right now don't get me wrong it's a question you can ask somebody yeah. but she's clearly heard it a million times and there was a slight edge to it but she handled it impeccably as always so how are you you're right <laughs> well, well no because people worry about you because we've read all these things about no, you and da, 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 da. Blah, blah, blah. i don't know what way i'm supposed to answer those kind of questions because in the one way i want to talk about music in another way the only thing that does bother me about all this stuff is that i've kind of dealt with 25 years of this get you know everybody treat me like a crazy person thing you know and it's a great source of amusement and entertainment and we live in a world where crazy is a term of abuse right. you know which i frankly think should be outlawed you know um so so you're sitting there, I know you don't mean anyone, I no, adore you, I, so I know you don't mean anyone. No, no, and you're lovely, absolutely, no. No, absolutely, but, but uh, it's a weird question, because people go, are you all right? What do I do? Well, how do I prove whether well, I am? Well, I suppose you, you prove you're all right by, by being here and, and smiling and, yeah, no, so. and being, and, you know. Anyway, blah, blah. so I'm so a bit listen. of a nervous wreck about interviews at all, to be honest, because on one hand, i got record company quite rightly in there, and going, don't say anything, and the other hand, I'm like, you know, so well, listen, yeah, don't, don't, don't worry, we're just thrilled That's you're here. That's why I sing. I know, this, exactly. Fact, what you see now before you is why I actually sing. When I see me singing, I make sense. Right? Don't make sense talking, <laughs> that's why I sing. All right, look, Sinead, go okay. sing. Thank go you. sing. I guess what I'm getting at here, like, I, I wrote a piece coming out of that because I was just so sick of seeing people, you know, step up and mock her. And I was like, well, what more does this woman need to do? And I made the point at the time, and th- I'm not saying I'm making some grand point that no one else made, you've just made it yourself. Um... I said if she passed away tomorrow, and this is in 2019, I said we would rush to deify this woman, but while she's alive, for yeah. some people, she's sport. And I just don't really understand. And I don't get me wrong, you know, she didn't always get it right. There were times, I remember when she was very, you know, outspoken, she gave out about Miley Cyrus, she gave out about Kim Kardashian being on the front of mm. Rolling Stone magazine. And they were, you know, it, it was it was rage and it was lesser, you know, like it wasn't, but it wasn't it, it, it was misjudged i think but at the same time you knew deep down she would go to war for those women yeah you know you knew deep down that she was actually someone who was just who couldn't sit still and i just don't understand that kind of weird contradiction that we have whether it's as an irish public or an international public you mentioned the snl stuff and i i remember reading the um the snl kind of oral history and you know that was compiled in recent years and they have quotes from the guy who was in the control room that night when she ripped up the picture of the pope and how they're still angry about it they're still mm. it's like you know i i should have shut it down earlier and like you know we were all freaking out and there's the joe pesci thing i think she was ahead of her time and do you, but possibly to her detriment what do you think she was yeah she definitely was like it, it literally is the case that you know irish society literally caught up and had to catch up to sinead o'connor like, that is the case. That's how it progressed over the course of the 90s and into the 2000s. Um, but it is. She was a sport. And there is a lesson in it as well for how the media cover people. And, like, people like Britney Spears have gone through it as well. Like, there is an unholy amount of punishment that uh, 
um, people um, like Sinead are put through. And it is mostly women who are put through this sort of thing. This, you know, the, the, the crazy label comes out. Uh, like even, do you know what? It's, it's fucking terrible. You even see it in some of the front pages of the, the UK tabloids there this morning. A lot of stuff about troubled, troubled singer Sinead O'Connor, all that sort of stuff. It's like... <laughs> You, you people never understood her, never wanted to un- understand her, never gave her uh, her politics, never, never gave her music enough recognition or, you know, acknowledged it for what it was and the spectacular career that she actually developed in the end. Like, you never tried to understand her whatsoever. Uh, you never try and elevate women's voices to try and, you know, give, you know, maybe try and enhance your own understanding of some of these issues that people talk about. Just never wanted to get it. They just decided to put her into a box, which was Mad Woman, and that was it. Uh, and they are still doing it. It's 2023 and you're still getting trouble saying her blah, blah, blah. If you go onto the mail online today, which is not something I'd ever encourage anyone to do, and being very unguarded at this point, like you'll get a lot of that crap there on the front page of that there today. A lot of these lurid details and all that sort of stuff. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like, literally not even 24 hours ago, we lost one of the most influential music artists of the last 30 years. And that's not just a sort of a, let's deify somebody who's Irish who's died. Look at the tributes. That's, that's it. Look at the people who have come forward over the last 24 hours uh, to pay tribute to Sinead O'Connor. One of my favourite ones, and this is one of the things that, even when I was sort of, like, in sort of adolescent years and I was sort of getting into hip-hop, um, people like Public Enemy, Chuck D, were huge uh, people who sort of got me into that whole sort of space. And I was sort of like looking back to YouTube videos and it was around the time of the 1989 Grammys. The Grammys, which is a complete chaotic shit show in itself every single year, <laughs> yeah. did not acknowledge hip hop and rap music as something which warranted a category, which is fucking nonsense. And Sinead O'Connor saw it as nonsense. And despite this being like the biggest performance of her career, her career was literally only like a couple of years old. In an international sense, it would literally have only just started. And she was performing on stage at the Grammys, best new uh, artist, has a big introduction from Billy Crystal. She comes out with the shaved head, the public enemy logo painted on her head. And like the tributes from people like Chuck D, like Annie Lennox, I was just reading there in the last few minutes, just incredible artists in their own right. They know what Sinead O'Connor was worth. They know the incredible power that Sinead O'Connor had in her voice and in her actions and in her words. And like, I mean, it is, it's just painful in some ways to sort of see some of the, 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 the weird still judgment that goes on towards Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, I mean, all of that is incredibly true. And even like, you know, the names continue. They're across all genres. I mean, like we were kind of talking last night and I was like, here's fucking CM Punk, you know, putting yeah. up a, Punk a, a, picture, a, a picture of the Pope, fight the real enemy. Janelle, Janelle Monae saying fight the real enemy. Sami Zayn saying that he felt so connected to her despite, you know, he wasn't even sure, fully sure why. Um, Billy Corgan, Tom Morello, the list goes on. And also Pedro like, Pascal, even, he was in there Pedro as Pascal. well. Pedro yeah. Pascal. But even, yeah, because her global reach, I mean, I, I know it's a time when someone passes away, we, we tend to lift them. We should celebrate them, of course, but also I can't, I'm, I'm struggling to think of an Irish person who has this level, I was saying this to you last night, of, of global, genuine global reach and proper, I mean, like, you could actually feel it, in, you could mm. feel it in the world last night. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you genuinely could. And I guess, yeah, the contrast, I mean, you have that amazing Chris Christopherson moment back then when he's like, don't oh, let the boss get you down. And she's like, I'm not down. You have uh, In Living Colour at the 91 Grammys, I think, wearing a, a one of them has a Shane O'Connor t-shirt on when they win an award. The respect was there back then. But then you look at 
things like, you know, when she's posting incredibly vulnerable videos of herself online at a time when she's clearly, she's telling you how much she's struggling. And again, there's just that weird knee-jerk reaction from people to be like, lol, and you're just like, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? And how can you possibly, you know, take this, like, this woman who has given you everything mm. and asked for so little in return and didn't receive it? And again, I, I guess last thing I'll say on this kind of overall point, the ahead of her time thing, how many times yesterday after her death was announced, whether it was an Instagram story, an Instagram post, or a, or a tweet, how many times did you see that image of her tearing up the picture of the Pope? Something yeah. that 30 years ago, I mean, you could not do. She did it, and now it's everywhere. It's mad, but like, imagine somebody even did that now. It would still be such a caustic, explosive moment that it would still have such huge reach. So if you went back 30 years... And like SNL had a much bigger position then, obviously, than it has now as well. Like the amplification of how brave that moment was is like off the charts. Like just, um, you know, an earthquake of a moment. Uh, So like the fact that it it does still shock people and it does still resonate in such a way, that just says it all about who she was and like how impactful she was. And it's not even to take away from the music, because like for so many people, she was, you know, nothing compares to you, The Lion and the Cobra, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. I mean, these are great, great albums, some of the best Irish albums of all time, no comparison whatsoever. But like the progression that you had throughout the years, like, I just, I just, I, it is, it's very rare that we've ever had, you know, an international level artist with that sort of impact apart from Seamus Heaney who of course was coming out and paying his own tributes from beyond the grave on twitter.com uh, do you want to explain that one do you real quick yeah so like there's a there's a Heaney daily twitter account which is a, like one of those nice automated services where um it just tweets out a couple of lines of Seamus Heaney every day like a lot of artists and you know like poets will have these uh, and people for whatever reason really do believe that this is Seamus Heaney so there's a tribute to Sinead it was a very well written tribute to Sinead O'Connor I must say uh, but it's been now carried on The Guardian, Sky News, and uh, in terms of like responses and quote tweets by loads of people who believe now that Seamus Heaney is still alive. Um, so they're in for a really um, dark realisation. It's also the sort of thing which Sinead would have found really funny, because um, that's also something which I think is really important as well, that she is one of the funniest people that we've ever exported. And as a nation which you know loves to tell itself and has a great sense of humour, very few people were ever as funny as Sinead O'Connor. Uh, and she used it in such a righteous way. But no, like, I mean, ugh. she just had, she, she ticked all the boxes. She was incredible. Um, and it's been great even just over the last, you know, since this morning, just sticking on album after album and just going back to some of the live performances because the live performer, this is the thing as well. I, actually, one of the things that's been shared the most is, I think it was, an in, it was an extract from that New York Times interview she did a couple of years ago. Do you remember that one? And it was... Um, it was talking about the, the the Pope ripping moment and like she was like, I didn't blow my career at all. I, I blew the careers of the record executives who wanted like the house in Antigua and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I My career was great. It meant I had to perform live and it just so happens that I'm an amazing live performer. Like, say no more. She did everything on her own terms and we've had very few Irish artists who've gone and done that on that level um, and were so non-conformist about it, so... She's um, very much one of a kind. Yeah, you may, have, you may have already answered my final question, but I was going to ask you, how should she be remembered? Um, I think she should be remembered for all of the things. I think that she, like, first and foremost, as a musician and artist and composer, 
just one of the very greatest we ever had uh, in a in a country which does have such a rich tradition musically and poetically and lyrically um that she was she stands up there on it's very you know very bill simmons i mean but she's very much mount rushmore uh in terms of irish music like no question at all her activism her strength her solitude in you know fighting the battles that she had to fight um I don't think we'll have anyone who'll ever compare in that sense, and that's not to do a nothing compare sort of pun, like all the tabloids did today, which is great. That's a very obvious one to do. It's a good one to do. But um, she was just a singular, singular talent, a singular personality, and a singular heart and soul, which I think a lot of people should reflect on how they would have treated Sinead O'Connor um, if she was in her pomp now, uh, if they were, or if they were operating in that time. Uh, and I think that uh, the biggest thing we can do is to pick up the banner where she left it down in terms of pushing for better things like better child and adolescent mental health services, fairer treatment for people in the LGBTQ plus community. Great story about her um, sending on clothes and makeup to people in the trans community. That's something which has become, you know, she again was ahead of her time in that. Um, just look at the issues. Look at the people and the issues that Sinead O'Connor took up and don't forget her. Don't forget her and, you know, use her as inspiration because that's the only thing you can do. You can only sort of pick up the living artist and follow their legacy, follow their impact and what they would continue to do because she was taken too young from us. 56 is no age for such a person as Sinead O'Connor. So the best thing we can do is to try and remember what she would have wanted and to try and do our best to fuck things up in the way that she would. Julie Hawk is back on the program. Very happy to have you back, Julie. Although, of course, the circumstances are uh, horrific. There's just no other way around that. But thank you so much for for stepping in and giving us your perspective today. I I guess I'd like to start with that perspective specifically from the point of view of a musician. So, I mean, I find it hard to sum up Sinead O'Connor's value and worth and legacy. And I'm sure it's, it's maybe it's an impossible task, but... I know that you will have definitely have some kind of personal and professional guidance on this. So I guess if you could just kind of explain the importance of her to you and to the wider musician community in this country. Yeah, um, and thank you so much. I'm really delighted when you asked me, although obviously it's it's such a sad day. Um, and it's also just so difficult to put your finger on exactly what you're grieving for when it's like a figure of this magnitude so you know it hits you in these different layers and it will often obviously in this day and age kind of hit you via everybody sharing their own perspectives and things like that so I hope I can kind of share something somewhat personal but I know that like the the kind of magnitude of what she meant to you know Irish musicians Irish women in music in particular and just kind of you know Ireland as a nation as well it's I think we're going to be unpacking and learning from her life from for a really long time when I first 
encountered Sinead O'Connor was probably not even as a musician, first of all. It was more as the kind of, the character, the kind of mythical character of Sinead O'Connor. Like, I think I remember hearing her referenced in a Saved by the Bell gag and thinking, like when I was really young and thinking, oh, there's an Irish person being referenced on this American show and this kind of, the strangeness of the fact that this this name had made it overseas. It just, it didn't really dawn on me at all, kind of the the hugeness of her talent and career. Like, I think I had this very fictionalised idea of who she was and it was only much, much later, kind of. I'd say when I was really just exploring my own music as a kind of something I wanted to pursue because I think actually you and I have talked a lot about you know the music we grew up listening to and I I definitely had in like my teen years way way more fixation on like boy bands and like male rock bands and kind of male vocalists and uh, it was really when I kind of looked inward eventually you know uh, exploring my own projects and kind of what kind of voice and storytelling that I wanted to bring to the table and that I started to look to artists like Sinead O'Connor who were maybe not that accessible to me when I was growing up or certainly kind of, I don't know, they, they seem or she seemed like a Madonna type figure to me when I was growing up. But, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, for sure, it's something that I've gone back to and I can only imagine what it would have been like hearing her and being inspired by her in kind of the 80s and the 90s when she was really um, kind of at the forefront and also being being so dragged along by the situation of her fame. And I think, you know, as an artist from a musician, there's so much we can learn from her. So I think I was talking to you recently about, like, when she sings, she's so uniquely powerful and I think respectful of every note and every uh, lyric that she's singing, whether it's a song that she's written herself or um, kind of an Irish standard that she's um, performing. I think that she truly understood the privilege of having a talent like that and not in a kind of she knew she was great but actually she knew that art like that can resonate with people on an individual level and also on a on a huge kind of um, political level or to do with shared experiences that are really taboo to talk about I think she understood that the kind of when you sing especially like in a live environment that connection that she could bring to people. I don't think she ever took it for granted, even though I don't think the fame was really what she wanted. I do think she was massively respectful of the power of that art. And I think I always got the impression anyway that that was her priority of, you know, changing the world through what she could do. And from a musician's perspective, that's, like, incredibly inspiring. Like, I think we all hope that we can connect with people or maybe even change the world a little bit um, through the music we make but to actually see someone so uninterested in the kind of bells and whistles of fame and um, kind of conforming to what that could look like um, just just so unique and I 
you know, everyone will be throwing around the phrase, the world wasn't ready for her. Um, and I think it's absolutely true. Just, again, just so unique to have an artist and a famous person and a woman be so honest about her pain and her struggles and kind of... Um, I think we didn't know what to do with that. You have a history, I think, of being misunderstood. It's always a tricky one, and I realise I'm a tricky subject to interview. The reason why people like me are singers is because the best way we communicate is through songs. And, like, also, I mean, for her to be so captivating uh, from such an early age, I mean, you know, you talk there about the idea of her rejecting being a pop star. I think even though she did do that, and very categorically did that, she also was a pop star in that weird kind of contradiction because she yeah. was undeniable and you saw the, the the effect that she had on the world, not just Ireland, you know, like the breakthrough at the Grammys and, you know, obviously up until this, and I guess including this Art and Alive thing in a way, um, she was made for an international stage, whether she wanted to be on it or not. I mean, she wanted to be on a stage, she wanted to perform. She said, mm. you know, I'm, I'm a live performer and she was, of course, but it's just those weird, like... It's a million contradictions in one, and also it's just it speaks as well to that weird kind of complicity that we have as well as whether it's a record buying public or a media, you know, that kind of forms ideas and kind of builds whatever, and then goes in that way. I mean, do we possibly like how much do we like how much are we to blame? Was she a victim of the industry? Do I even want to put that word on her? Is that even fair to anyone? You know, it, like like there's just so many questions even raised from the idea of what we th- who we think Shane Connor was mm. or Shane O'Connor was and what she represented and you know I, I think what you're kind of getting to the heart of is like it's it's not it's 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 not straightforward you know no it's not and it, and it's it's really complicated and even I think to use the word victim is is that is just one side of a coin that I think you can toss and toss and toss when you talk about Shane O'Connor because I think she remained powerful throughout every decade of her career as well. Um, And uh, yeah, actually as well, I think I have been, it's so easy to start talking about the negatives here as well, because, you know, it's a very sad day. And I think my initial, a huge wave of my reaction was, um, you know, feeling guilt for maybe not fully understanding that person that I kind of thought was, you know, this Madonna type growing up and not, not understanding what was actually happening there behind the scenes. But the, there's so many, so many positives I want to talk about as well, just in terms of as a vocalist, like, my God, even to hear a woman singing in her Irish accent, uh, if there are any um, singers out there from Ireland listening, I think it, it, most of us grow up like mimicking kind of an American or... Uh, maybe like a slightly neutral um, accent when we're singing and it's just to hear that accent cutting through even that in and of itself is kind of like this very punk um, just a beautiful representation of of you know art that we can produce from this country and um, you know it's it was something I had to like really hammer out of my own habits and just to hear how naturally she um, leaned into that as part of the kind of ornamentation of how she sang and like using different parts of her voice. Like I am not going to be able to use the technically correct 
words for any of this, but she jumps, I'm sure you're all familiar with, from one part of her voice to another, like so quickly, these kind of flips that she does. And she also used these like really kind of, I don't know, I feel like she explored really ugly corners of her voice because I don't think she had any interest in sounding perfect. And um, and again, I always, I'm always talking about Shanos and the Irish tradition, but when you learn about Shanos in like the Leaving Cert, one thing that they, they tell you is in the Irish tradition of singing, you know, often you'll hear people singing kind of out of tune or, you know, that they use these very free-flowing kind of ornamentations. And I think she felt such a connection, albeit making kind of, you know, contemporary and pop music and Shanos as well. But I think she really felt that, like, she did not have to hide. In fact, she could lean on these traditions from her, you know, from from her own Irish background to kind of create these beautiful moments. And, you know, seeing her perform, you know, I've been obviously watching lots of clips back over the last few days. And I remember specifically um, when I started performing, being really self-conscious about my jaw whenever I would see photos back. I was like, oh God, is that what I look like when I sing? But when I watch her, um, there's just no, I would never even think to judge the kind of, um, uh, the stature, the way she holds herself. Everything is kind of raw and she just opens her mouth and lets everything come out. And that's just a freedom of using your body that it's so rare to see that level of just raw performance in artists, no matter how much you practice at it. I think she's just, she has always had it. You mentioned there at one point, you were saying like, you know, oh, the negatives and, you know, it's, it's tricky. I, mean, I think even with this episode of the podcast as well, like what I want to do with it is not to do a career overview and you know, like just to get reactions and kind of get those perspectives from different people. And I think it's it's impossible not to get into the negatives and we're not looking to do that necessarily but I mean like she spoke so uh, candidly I guess and fearlessly about those negatives I mean like she presented not a version of herself she just presented herself and in some cases that was rejected in some cases it was condemned in other cases it was celebrated and it is a complicated situation being a human being is a complicated situation and I think for Sinead in particular it was arguably more complicated than most I don't know I mean like like what do you what do you think do you think like it's we should only lionize and we shouldn't pay attention to the the darkness or like how because I mean like a question I've been asking people you know before like you know even on this episode before your segment here I've asked people like how do you want to remember her how do you think you'll remember her so I guess like how does that kind of play into it because like we said earlier like there's just there's so many complications here and you you want to be as respectful and as truthful as possible but I think to kind of shy away from all the things that she did put you know all, like all, all the cages she rattled and all the things she put in front of us I, I I don't quite know how best to talk about legacy not that I'm the guy to talk about mm. her legacy but you know what I mean I feel like um confronting negative truths is exactly the kind of thing that she stood for so you know it's it's what it's what she did decades before we were as a nation ready to talk about the Catholic Church it's it's the kind of conversation she was having about how she was being treated far before we were ready to listen to it. So I think that's, if we're talking about legacy and may, maybe something that we can learn from her, it's, it's about 
you know, not letting that fear get in the way of speaking up for the truth. And so I, I think it would be impossible to really sum her up without those dark sides because it's it's what, you know, speaking up for dark truth is just something she was she seemed utterly committed to do to doing. Yeah, but I guess on the flip side, you know, because there was so much to enjoy and, and to celebrate and to cherish, you mentioned earlier that you were, I think we all had been, you know, kind of consuming so much uh, of her career and of her life in the last 24 hours or so. What else has stood out to you in terms of highlights or, you know, especially musical ones that have kind of just been like, that's timeless, that's incredible. Like, like is there anything that has kind of stopped you in your tracks? I have always come back to her... Um her Shano's album and actually this isn't on on that same album but her particularly her performance of He Moved Through the Fair which I spoke to you recently about just her ability to kind of allow silences and stillness between each breath of the lyrics I just think I know I'm talking about something very much on the kind of singing side of things but I see so few artists able to to capture a room like that in 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 those silences the way she could i really really think that she was never not thinking about the words she was singing as she performed them and that's that's something i would always remember about her i guess lastly i mean i wonder and again i've I've already made this point but like in times like this it's hard to kind of just find that kind of balance i guess but Musically, you know, does she get the credit that that she deserves? You know, like should we be, you know, paying more attention to it, or 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 did she have this incredible iconoclastic career that goes beyond it? Because obviously, again, you can't just talk about the music, you can't just talk about the activism. It's all part of this gigantic package. But I wonder if I wonder if she was fully appreciated as a musician. No, I I don't think so. I think that the person who I was when I first encountered this kind of this celebrity figure was not someone who I was interested at the time in knowing much about beyond the kind of nothing compares to you, the real VH1 hits. And I think uh, those kind of chameleon jumps she did from one genre to another are well worth, like, they they are easily cast aside, I think, as kind of the acts of a, of a rebellious woman and uh, there is so much appreciation, I think, in her take on those different genres. Um, and I think there's, you know, we would do well to kind of go back to her back catalogue and really look at those decisions she was making. And yeah, and even pre- uh, appreciating her as a producer as well, because I think that's an, a layer of her music that, I think people aren't aware of as well in terms of even those early, early songs um, kind of standing up for those production decisions that she wants to make herself. Listen back to that first album with that in mind and you'll hear something you haven't heard before. Yeah, she's all over the credits on that first album, isn't she? It's just like as doing literally everything and she was, what, 19? Thereabouts the time? (laughs) I mean, yeah, ahead of her time in so many respects. And again, uh, like... (sighs) the ultimate jigsaw puzzle to try to try and put this together and make perfect sense of Sheena Connor. I, I, I don't think you can make perfect sense of her. I think we should just appreciate her. Well, when I heard the news, I, I didn't hear the news actually. I saw a picture of Sinead O'Connor and I thought, I think I know what that is because there was no yeah. caption. I just didn't check my phone for another five minutes because I was kind of bracing myself for 
uh, what I, I was immediately expecting to see and then of course I did but the weirdest response like I, I I felt compelled to buy her autobiography within 10 minutes having you know always assumed I would read it at some point but now I feel like I'm playing catch-up like there's no proper way to respond to these things but I I look forward to finding out more about her and yeah I think she's going to be hugely missed the longer we look back My thanks again to Andrea Cleary, Richard Chambers and Julie Hawk for their contributions to this episode. Huge thank you as well to Sonic Architect Adam on production and thank you for listening. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. And rest in peace and rest in power to the great Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor.